0: Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime. Beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book, Tales of a Toxic Teacher, Exposing the Cycles of Abuse Within Our Schools, written by Angela Harders. In this book, Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school, intentionally and unintentionally, and no one. Escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher will be available for purchase on Amazon.com on November 30th, 2021. You may also purchase signed copies from Angela's website, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. Buy your copy today. Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I'm a special education teacher, gentle parenting author, and a proud world schooling mother to two amazing children, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who's three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Miss Karen Yates. Thank you so much for joining us today as we have a conversation that can change the world. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Angela. I'm excited to be here and share with you. And we are so excited to have you. Um, as we get started, would you mind sharing
1: a little bit about yourself, your family, and your story? Sure, absolutely. So I have two children. My son is 14 and my daughter is nine. And two years ago, we left the United States to begin traveling full-time and world going. <laughs> so the story really starts about a year before that in 2018. My story really starts. I was, we, my husband and I had been married for 18 years at that point. And we found ourselves at just this really, really low point in our marriage um, to the point where, you know, we were near divorce. And to top that off, we were broke. And we looked at each other and we said, we have to do something different. We cannot continue down the same path because this is not where we want to be, you know, 18 years into our marriage. We're not supposed to be feeling this way. We're not supposed to be broke. You know, we're supposed to be doing something, something bigger. Yeah. And so we started talking. The only way we knew how to reconnect with each other was to talk. And as we talked, we had these really deep heartfelt conversations and we started to realize that we both had the same goal of spending more time with each other and more time with our kids. But I had a, a normal job, you know, a, Nine to five, but it wasn't nine to five. It was seven to five, you know, kind of job. To where, you know, we just didn't have the time with each other, and I certainly didn't have time with the kids. I didn't even see them in the mornings. You know, my husband got them up and got them to school, and it's like, you know, there was a couple hours in the evenings if we were lucky, and you know that included making dinner and cleaning up and. And all of that, and so we said we really need to do something different here because this isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so, with the confines of my job, we're like, okay, we have to get creative because I can't get more time off. I can't work remotely. I was a chemist, so you kind of have to be there in the lab doing things. So, what can we do? And there was a lot going on at this time, but the question came up: What if we moved to Thailand? And my husband just kind of threw it out there. He went. Would- Going on an internship, actually to Thailand, and he threw this out there and I just looked at him and said, okay, well, um, to be honest, that scares me, hmm. but I didn't say no. So I went to work the next day and that was all that was going through my mind, this churning in my yeah. head of what would this be like? What would the benefits be? and. And wow, things started to like kind of get really exciting in my head. <laughs> and I kept thinking about it. We kept talking about it. And eventually it transitioned from moving to Thailand to, to traveling, because it's something that we had always wanted to do. And so over the course of several months, this was not a decision that we made lightly. It was not something that we made quickly. You know, we had a ton of discussion about this. And we came to realize that this was something that we really wanted to do, the benefits far outweighed the negatives. And we're like, man, we really need to do this. And one of the benefits for sure was, was schooling our kids, you know, they had been in public school and we were like, man, if we take them out, then there's so many more opportunities for them. Mm -hmm. And so within a couple of months, we committed to doing it. And then we set this really aggressive timeline. We set it for eight months and we ended up moving it to seven months. And (laughs) and we made it happen and so i left my job and we got rid of nearly everything we owned and boarded a plane wow was
0: that like one-way ticket to thailand to bali actually oh <laughs> <laughs> we did we did go from bali to thailand that was our next step
1: but yeah
0: wow that is amazing That is that literally was like my dream or is my dream. that I would be able to, to do that, you know, to be able to travel with my children and experience the world with them. I mean, what a, what an amazing gift to be able to give your children that gift of experiencing these other cultures, other people, other ways of life, other foods and music and <laughs> lifestyles and beliefs and all those different things. That is incredible. Um, I know that, you know, you and your husband had talked about transitioning and traveling full time. I'm wondering, how did that conversation go with your children, telling them like, hey, we're going to buy a one way ticket to Bali and sell everything we own. I mean, how how did
1: that go with your children? So we, we separated them. And when we told them because our son was 12 at the time, and so he was in middle school and we we thought about this really hard. And we said, you know, we we don't want him to be in high school before we do this. You know, we, we don't want him to have all these set ideas on, on things that are going to happen. You know, you've got the prom and, you know, sports and lettering, all this stuff. We're like, no, 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 we need to do this now before he gets into high school. Um, But because he was 12, we're like, okay, for a 12 year old, you know, seven, eight months, it's not a lifetime right our daughter was six at the time six months for a six-year-old is a really 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 long time so we're like okay we're gonna tell our son first that we're thinking about this which was before we had even fully committed to it hmm. and i'll admit he was a little bit bummed out we had moved just over a year before and this was you know his third state living and so it was a lot of bouncing back and forth. He's like, "Oh my gosh, you know, I just got settled here, and now you're telling me that we're going to up and move again." Yeah, and, and wait, we're going to move. <laughs> we're going to move continuously. What? Um, <laughs> but it didn't take him long to realize the benefits of you know getting out of the structured school day and getting out of the confines of of this education in a box is what it yes. felt like, right? And so we told him fairly early, and then our daughter, we just started kind of prepping her, you know, little feeding little pieces in there. And because we were worried, she's more social. She was younger, but we told her and the first thing out of her mouth was, mom, you're not going to be at work. When do we leave? Let's go now. (laughs) Oh,
0: that is so sweet. I love that. Like her first response to that wasn't being afraid of what was on the other side or leaving anything behind, but just her heart and her desire to connect with you
1: as her mom. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it hit me. It hit me hard. I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they did really well. And then the hardest part I think was when we got down to, you know, all the sorting because we had a full household worth of goods. Right. So you have to go through and you decide, you know, what you're going to take with you, what you're going to keep, which was very, very minimal Mm -hmm. and what you're going to get rid of. And so for us, we're like, okay, we're taking clothes. And we don't like cold weather. So we're going to take warm weather clothes and with just, you know, a pair of pants each or something, you know, because we're like, oh, we'll prep for a little bit, but we're not taking a lot of warm weather or warm clothing. Um, But then we came to a point where it's like, okay, we have our pile of needs and clothing and the shoes and the toiletries and all of that. And then it's like, okay, now there's this pile of wants Mm. and we put it all in a room on the floor, spread it out. And we're like, okay, these are the bags that we have. And this is what they have to fit into. Mm. And we went through it as a family, all four of us. And that was probably one of the toughest points because, you know, they're attached to things and they had to make decisions, you know, that it's okay that we're leaving this. And so that was probably one of the toughest points for them. I can't imagine, you know,
0: processing that, you know, and you're right. Like we do, we get so attached To things. And even, you know, for me moving from one state to another state and having to leave some things behind, it was challenging. I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have been like for them to literally be willing to leave everything behind and just having to choose those few things that they
1: really, really loved. Right. And even beyond that, because we weren't you know, we have a small storage unit for some, some heirlooms, some memories, some mm. you know, decorations that are very, very important to us. And so we told them, okay, you get each, you each get one box for your bedroom of special things from your bedroom. And you get one box for the playroom, you know, where all of their toys and activities were. And we were strict. We're like, you're getting one box there each because we, uh-huh. we knew that, you know, my, our son would want to put like every single Lego he ever owned into storage. <laughs> and it was like, we're not planning on coming back for a long time. These Legos are not going to mean the same to you mm-hmm. when you're, you know, multiple years older yeah. than we do now.
0: Yeah. So when you guys first set out for Bali, how, I mean, were you planning to do that indefinitely or did you
1: have like a specific time frame of, of staying there? So for Bali, we knew we were only going to be there about six weeks. And it really set our time frame there because there was this incredible family adventure summit that was being held there. And it was for traveling families that world school. And um, it was just the most incredible, incredible event. So we got to meet all of these families that actually do this and interact with them. The kids got to meet other kids that travel and it was the best experience. So we planned to be there for that. And then because my husband had gone to Thailand, he had a definite planned for us to get there and see a lantern festival that he had experienced the year before, Mm. which was so beautiful. So we planned six weeks in Bali and two months in Thailand. And after that we said, okay, we're just gonna, gonna roll with it after that. We're not gonna be meticulous in planning. We're just gonna get to Thailand. We'll have two months and we'll figure out where we're going next.
0: Okay, I I feel like I have a million questions in my mind that I want <laughs> to ask you. Um so many different things. So first of all, I guess my my big question is, you know, a lot of families when they're planning to go on a vacation or go on a trip, I mean, they really have to budget and save and figure out those finances and and plan, you know, their hotel and where they're going to stay and all these other things. And I'm just wondering, like, how on earth did you manage your finances to be able to travel full time? I mean, you you said you had left your job. Is that correct? Right.
1: How did yes. you How did you do this financially? So that it's actually what developed into our business because of this. Became we realized what we had accomplished, and we're like, we have to share this with people. And so for us, it really became this really goal focused process where we said, you know what, this is our goal. We want to travel, we want to do this. And we had purchased tickets for the summit <laughs> and we're like, we're going to be here at this summit. Mm. And so we just set about analyzing really everything that we were spending and making decisions based on is this really helping us toward our goal mm. or can we cut this out? And so for us, one of the big decisions that we made that was not an easy decision was we had two vehicles. One was paid off. And the second one we were still paying on. It was relative. We'd had it only like a year. And so we're still paying on it. And I was driving the second vehicle, driving it to work, which was 10 minutes away, letting it sit in the parking lot for the entire day, driving it home where it sat in the driveway. Mm. And we looked at this and we said, you know what, this vehicle is costing us a lot of money because not only do we have, you know, the monthly payment on it, we've got the gas, we've got the insurance, we've got, you know, the, maintenance and all of that. And so it's like, what if we got rid of that vehicle? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was, it was tough because this is the vehicle that I drove. And so it meant independence to me, right? Yeah. Transitioning to one vehicle, which we had done before, we had been in one vehicle with family before, it's not unheard of, <laughs> but it meant that, you know, I had to wait sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, I had to coordinate schedules and make sure that I'm at work before, you know, with enough time for my husband to get the other, the kids off to school. And all of that. But we made this decision. We looked at, we said, man, if we get rid of this vehicle, we can put a lot of money towards our goal of traveling. Yeah. And so we really did that with every decision, you know, are we going out to eat? Okay. We still went out to eat. We still enjoyed life and that, and that, that time frame, We still enjoyed life, but we would make decisions, you know, okay, we're going to go out to eat, but you know, maybe we're going to go to Chipotle rather than to, you know, this nicer restaurant that we would normally go to. Mm-hmm. And just kind of looking at every single decision that we made with our finances and really deciding, is, it really what we, is this really what we want to spend our money on or would we rather put it towards our travel fund? Mm-hmm. And so by, wow. going, by going through that and doing that, it was amazing how much money we found every month to really put into that fund.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that you said that. You know, you didn't deprive yourself of things that you love. Like you still enjoyed your life, but but that you were able to really think about the future and what your financial goals were, and to be able to have that be that driving factor behind how you make your decisions today. And I, um, my parents actually are financial advisors, financial planners, and so that's been something that my dad has taught me my whole life. It just that importance of of having financial goals and then making choices that are aligned with those goals, while at the same time balancing, you know, that desire to still have fun and still, you know, have money to be able to do the things that you love and that you enjoy now, but but having that goal in mind and working towards that and making choices that align with that is so important. And um, I, I mean, that's just incredible that you guys were able to to do that together as a family and and to do that in seven months. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's incredible.
1: Right. And we got the kids involved with it too. I mean, they were fully on board with it. And so, you know, we would go out to restaurants, they would like to order lemonade, it was kind of a treat that they didn't get at home. Uh And, and we started doing it's like, okay, well, if you just drink water, if you have water to drink at the restaurant, then we'll take and we'll deposit that money into our travel fund. And so we would pull out a phone, we had an app and we'd say, okay, we're going to transfer, you know, the $10 that, you know, we didn't spend on drinks for dinner for the four of us. We're going to transfer that into this fund. And so they got on board with it too, because then they're like, oh, wow, we're helping to contribute toward this goal of traveling that we want to do.
0: That's awesome. So you had a separate like account specifically for saving for traveling? Absolutely. Okay. That's, that's really, really smart. And then when you guys finally did make that jump, um, I guess your husband was still working at that time, correct?
1: He was starting to find online work, remote work. That's why he'd gone to Thailand in the first place. And so we, we started a business and we were doing okay with that. And then we, we realized that, you know, because of our own transformation within our relationship, as well as with our money, we're like, we really have to share this with other people and really inspire people to go after their goals Because one of the things we found is when we started sharing our, our story, you know, our plans with other people, so many people were just so um, excited that, oh my gosh, you guys are going after your dreams. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but you can do it too. And -hmm. that's really where this passion came from. It's like, everybody thinks, I mean, we thought, we thought, okay, well, we'll travel when we're retired. Yes. And yeah. then we start, we start thinking about it. It's like, okay, well, you have to hope that, you know, your finances are in good shape, you know, that you haven't experienced job losses or whatnot And 18 years into our marriage, you know, we were broke, so maybe not the best, <laughs> you know, two, you have to hope that you're in good health so mm-hmm. that you have the ability to travel. And and now you have to worry, is there a global pandemic going on? <laughs> you know, Things yeah. that you don't even have to think of, you don't think about before COVID, but then, you know, we thought about it. We're like, well, our kids are going to be grown up and we're still going to want to see our children, but they're going to have their own lives. And, you know, they're going to get married and have grandchildren, hopefully. And we're going to want to spend time with the grandchildren. So how much time will we really spend traveling? Yeah. And you get down to, it, and it's like, you're, it's, it doesn't work out for in our minds, you know, it didn't work out that 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 should be the goal. And so we've seen so many people that have these dreams that say, I want to do this, but then something just, prevents them. There's you know, mm-hmm. fear or, oh, I don't have the money or whatever it is. And we're like, you know what, you can find ways. Yeah. And so that became our business.
0: <laughs> That's incredible. And, and um, I, I'm going to make sure that I include the links for your business in the show notes so that anyone who wants to get a part, um, you know, be a part of that work that you're doing and to be able to have your support as they're reaching their goals, um, they'll be able to have access to to those resources. Cause that sounds like an amazing Opportunity for families that are looking to live outside the box uh, to be able to benefit from your your wisdom and your knowledge and your experience um, as they start their own journey um, into yeah. world schooling
1: or whatever that looks like for them. Thank you so much for that, Angela. And yeah, it's true. If you want to travel, you know, whether you want to travel full-time or you want to just travel more or you just have other goals that you want to accomplish. I mean, that's really what it's all about, that you have this dream that you want to go after and you're, you're not sure how to make it happen. And we're here to say, you know, it can happen.
0: And I love that that your message isn't just that your goals can happen, but that you don't have to wait for them to happen, you know? Absolutely. Um, and you're right. I mean, most people were, were taught to, plan for retirement, as you mentioned that, you know, you've got to work all this time while you're younger. And then once you retire, then that's when you can do all these dreams that you have. <laughs> but you're right. You know, when you're 60, 65, 70 years old, it, there are a lot of people that aren't able to do those things because of job losses, like you mentioned, or their health is has changes in their health or, um, you know, I mean, a wide variety of reasons why people at retirement age aren't pursuing their dreams with their passions. And it's like, why, why wait? You know, if I have this dream and I have this desire that I want to do now, why not just go for it and set that goal and work hard to reach
1: it? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things I like to say is life does not start at retirement. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Really. It doesn't start then, you know, there's so much that you can do beforehand and maybe, you know, maybe you have to do things a little differently. Think a little bit outside the box and, um, (laughs) <laughs> That's what we're here for,
0: yes, I love that thinking outside the box is definitely one of the the passions of my heart um being being able to just really think and dream and live and learn outside of this educational box that you mentioned It's a phrase I use all the time, you know as a public school teacher, we literally keep kids in a box, a physical box and a mental box, an emotional box. I mean we keep kids in this box and and it's, it's time. It is time for us to break out of these boxes that we've tried to fit our children into. Um, and I know you mentioned that your children, you know, of course they were in school here in the United States. I'm wondering how on earth do you learn in Thailand and Bali? And actually, where are you located now? We're in Mexico City right now. Okay, so <laughs> Mexico, like how do how do they learn um, in all these different countries. Tell me about their educational environment.
1: Right. So we switched really predominantly to online learning because we don't speak, <laughs> okay, let's be real. We don't speak any other language besides English. Um, and <laughs> the, the kids and I are trying, we're attempting to learn Spanish while we're here. Um, it's been a life, it's been a long time goal for myself, anyways. So it's it's a good time. But we don't speak the language in order to send them to school. And there are there are opportunities. Uh, in some places to go to international schools where they speak English, hmm. but we just elected, you know what, if we're going to embrace this lifestyle, then we should embrace really educating our kids as we see best fit. Mm-hmm. And so my husband had training. Um, he was, he has a degree in God, I can't speak here elementary education. So he had a degree in that, um, worked for a couple of years before he got laid off due to job cuts. Um, but we just decided you know what we really need to embrace their their strengths their interests and you know we're going to hit on all of the the fundamentals you know the math and the english and um the writing we're going to do all of that but then we're going to let them explore some of their own passions and so our son is like this he's a computer nerd that's the nicest thing (laughs) he loves coding. I mean, he was reading this, like, I don't know, 350 page book on coding before we left the States when he was 12. And I'm like, there's something wrong, but no, (laughs) not really. It's just that that is his passion and his passion does not align with mine, but it's fine. It doesn't matter that, you know, we have the same ideas, right? Like he wants to explore coding. And so because he's not stuck in this, you know, seven to four box of going to school or whatever it is, you know, he gets to explore that passion. And so he's, he's actually taken some courses from Harvard online, computer coding courses, you know, as a 13 and 14 year old. And it's like, he wouldn't wow. have that opportunity had we been, you know, where we were going to public school and all of that. Mm. And so our daughter, she's much more artistic. So we encourage her to take some art classes online. You know, she's had art classes with her grandma over Zoom. And just to explore that. And so she's, she does all of her schooling, you know, in a, in a heartbeat and she's like, okay, I love to read and I love to do art. And so she gets to spend her time more, much more of her time doing things that she loves rather than, you know, stuck at this pace that um, was, you know, fundamentally too slow for her. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And
0: so your son is, he, he is 14 now. Yes, Okay. And so you guys kind of have this, you know, blend I guess of online learning. I love that he's able to really seek out the classes that support the things that he's passionate in. Um is he wanting to pursue a career in coding or or something like that? Potentially.
1: <laughs> Potentially. We're, we're we're working on that, you know. He's 14, so he has a little bit of time yet to to get things you know to get an idea of where he really wants to go. But he definitely, I mean, he loves it. That's what he spends his free time doing is coding things. And you know, he shows us this. And <laughs> my husband and I just kind of look at each other and we're like, huh? What are you talking about here? <laughs> it's neither like one of language. It is absolutely. like absolutely. And and it's not just one language that he does. You know, he's got like five of them under his belt now, and it's like, okay, you yeah that's great. That's great Trevor. Um, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm sure it's it's good
0: <laughs> that's wonderful and and you guys seem like you've been very supportive in both of your children and helping them find those resources to to learn what they love um regardless of where
1: they are in the
0: world absolutely
1: absolutely uh, so, okay go ahead, sorry. I was just, so when we were in Vietnam, you know, it was a little bit more difficult because we're literally like opposite time zones. And so, you know, scheduling calls with grandma who was, you know, in Las Vegas and we were in Vietnam, you know, to do the Zoom calls for, for art was a little bit more challenging, but we made it work. We'd find a time that worked for both, both families. And we, you know, just set that up so that she could have that experience.
0: Hmm. I'm wondering, um, what were some challenges that you all have faced as a world schooling family and how did you overcome them?
1: Sure. Um, There's definitely challenges, right? There's exciting things that you want to do that (laughs) might cut into, you know, educational time. Um, But really it's, I think the most challenging thing for us is, is for my husband and I is putting on multiple hats, right? You know, we have our business to run. So we have that hat and, you know, you have the teacher hat that you put on for the, for rural schooling and you put on the parent hat when, you know, there's there's issues between the two of them, you know, conflict between the two kids. You know? And so I think that's probably the most challenging thing. And so we've, we've handled that by trying to come up with you know, some schedules for both of them so that you know, they have some, some set time where they're occupied so that we can put on our business hat and not be interrupted. But we also know that you know, we don't want them to be frustrated. So, you know, if my son's doing geometry and, and he's getting stuck on something, well, I don't want him to feel frustrated and upset. So they know that if they're stuck, they come and they ask for help. And so we'll change our hats and that's fine. But, you know, really, really having a little bit of a schedule. So at least the morning they're kind of occupied. It helps us to really be able to focus on what we need to do. And it lets them really focus on what they should be doing with their schooling and then gives us time to do other things in the afternoons.
0: Mm. Um, I know your children are learning a lot while being in all these different countries around the world. Um, What are some things that you have learned from being in different countries around
1: the world? Uh, Probably the biggest one for me was when we went to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So to be very open here, my husband and I had never wanted to go to Vietnam it wasn't on our list. You know, we have this idea of all these places in the world that we want to go to and Vietnam wasn't on the list, but we had gone from Bali to Thailand and we were in Thailand and we said, okay, we need to figure out where we're going to go next. And this was going to be December. So we're like, okay, we're, Europe is way out of the question because it's cold there. (laughs) And we don't want to (laughs) go, we don't want to go back over the ocean, you know, back to the, you know, Central America, South America, any of that. So we're like, okay, where do we go? So we're we're thinking we're still going to stay in Southeast Asia, you know, some places will be a short flight. And so we're looking for, you know, easy visas and, and whatnot so that we can, we can go. And we had pretty much settled that we were going to go to Malaysia. And we kept getting inundated with all of this stuff from Vietnam, like, you know, when we're on Facebook, and we see all these people that are in Vietnam, and all these pictures, and, and we see a billboard for Vietnam, and we're like, the universe is trying to tell us something here hmm. and so we started asking people there were a lot of western people in thailand where we were and people that traveled and so we're like okay where would you go would you go to vietnam or would you go to malaysia we probably asked a dozen people and every single one of them said go to vietnam hmm. so we're like okay we'll go to vietnam because the universe is trying to tell us something so um, we went to vietnam but we had this preconceived notion that the vietnamese people must be prejudiced against americans because of the war right we came yeah. in you know we we bombed the hell out of them you know there was napalm there's Agent orange there's I mean, there's still unexploded bombs in the wilderness of vietnam 50 oh. years after the war ended wow right that's so crazy. it's insane right so they clearly they must you know have Negative feelings towards Americans, right? I mean, we prepped our kids about this. We watched a documentary about the Vietnam War
0: yeah. before
1: we went there. And, and we even joked, oh, maybe we'll say that we're from Canada because nobody hates Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> we could pass for Canadians. <laughs> and, but we went there with this preconceived notion that they, you know, there might be negative feelings towards us. Mm. And what we found was absolutely the opposite. Like we were embraced everywhere we went in Vietnam. I mean, strangers literal strangers people that you know were walking by their place and they have like come in come in, come in you know gesturing for us to come in and and have a drink with them and share food with us mm. and we're like what is going on here like <laughs> this is something like we had never experienced in the states wow and we started asking people because we're like why is this you know why you know this is even in northern vietnam so the the people that were fighting against the americans and you know, we were in south vietnam and north vietnam And the response was the same. And so we asked people like random people, why, why is this? And they told us the same message over and over again. They said that war was in the past and the decisions were made by somebody else. And we look towards the future. Hmm. And I was just, I mean, my husband and I were both just blown away by this because we think back to our own education. You know, we, you look at the history classes that you've had and what we were taught, the messages that we were taught is there was always someone to blame. Yeah. And it's never America, (laughs) (laughs) like let's just be real. Americans were never at fault for for all of these conflicts, right? There was always someone else to blame. I mean, there's still people that despise Japanese because of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And so, you know, these people are still living with the effects of the Vietnam War. Right, which they, they call the American war, by the way, um, they do, they do. They call it the American war, which makes sense. That's fascinating. It does. It does. I mean, but that's fascinating. It's fascinating. And it's, it's so powerful to me, this message. And so my husband and I were completely blown away. And of course we share this with our children and, you know, but it was evident throughout Vietnam and what was so incredible to us is we were basically stuck in Vietnam because of COVID mm. But because we were stuck there, we got to really get to know people. We got to experience more things and we got to meet more people. And it was because we were there for that long that we really were able to get to the bottom of this and ask so many different people because it wasn't one person we asked. You know, it's you know six, seven, eight different people that we asked, why do you feel this way towards Americans? Why don't you hate us? And every single response was the same. And it was like, oh my gosh, if we you know, as a as a global society, we're able to adopt that outlook on life. Mm-hmm. How much better would we be as a global society?
0: Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's mind blowing. That is so, so powerful, like to be able to look at the human being that's sitting in front of you and to love that person for who they are. Regardless of you know the sins that may have been committed in the past by the people who've come before us, I mean what a, what a beautiful that is. That is a revolutionary idea that would completely change the world if everyone were to have that same mentality.
1: I know it hit us so hard, and like I still like I get emotional about it. I know, because... me
0: too. I'm like, my <laughs> so I'm like, gosh, like that's that's <laughs> powerful. You know, that just to be able to to forgive and not hold on to those things from the past, but be able to really, you know, move forward and to treat people with, with kindness and love and gentleness. I mean, what a beautiful thing that you and your family got to experience firsthand.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) That's incredible. So how long were you guys in Vietnam then?
1: We were there for 18 months.
0: Okay. But you, you, you weren't planning on being there for that long. Is that
1: correct? Right. We went in with a three month visa and our our three month visa expired the end of March of 2020 yeah about a month well a week a week um after borders started closing, oh my goodness and so we we were in a spot where we had- 12, we had twelve hours to make a decision because we had heard that we were we had tickets out you know we were planning to fly to Malaysia. We're like, okay, we'll go to Vietnam first and then we 'll go to Malaysia mm-hmm. and we had found out that they were closing their borders the following day, so mm. a friend of ours had had flown out, she's like, oh my gosh they're closing their borders tomorrow at midnight. And there was one flight out and we had to make a quick decision. Do we stay here in Vietnam and try to renew our visa, mm-hmm. which we hadn't done yet because we were planning to leave? Yeah. Or do we try to get on this flight? And we looked around and we said, well, it's absolutely gorgeous here and we're really enjoying it. So let's try to stay. And we went and saw a visa agent and they're like, well, We should be able to extend this, but we'll let you know tonight. Um, Yeah, well, tonight's a little late, but we're going to go for it. (laughs) And so we put our our faith in this visa agent and they came back and they renewed our visa. And then they kept renewing it for another year until finally July of this year. They came and told us, they said, "Okay, we'll let you stay for another month, but you you need a ticket out of the country. And they'd had a change in the government and, you know, policies were changing and they were, you know, getting, having some foreigners leave. And mm-hmm. so we left and it turned out it was, it was actually the right timing for us. Uh, for a lot of reasons, I, I really, truly believe things happened for a reason. And so yeah. it was, it was time for us to go. And so we looked around and we said, well, where can we go? And the vaccine wasn't available in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have very limited access to it. Um they're a developing country, right? They don't have all of the money that you know other countries do. And so we couldn't get the vaccine. So that took all of Europe out off the table. Like you mm-hmm. can't go there without a without vaccine. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, okay, where do we want to go? And Mexico seemed like a good alternative. And we all love Mexican food. So <laughs> two <laughs> years of Mexican food. <laughs> two years in Southeast Asia, we were really hungry for some good tacos. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I love that. It's like, where are we going to go in the world? What has great food? That's where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> it factored in. I will admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you at all. Mexico's beautiful. It's actually one of my favorite, favorite countries to be in. Um, so where are you located in Mexico?
1: We decided to get to Mexico City. Okay. So my husband and I had been to Puerto Vallarta. We'd been to the Cancun Riviera Maya area. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know what, we've never been in central Mexico. So let's check it out. And it's been a very different experience for us in the touristy areas. Almost everyone speaks English. Yeah. And in Mexico City, very few people speak English. Oh, wow. That's a great few. Thing. They don't depend on tourism. Mm-hmm. And so the need isn't really there. And so when we come across somebody who speaks English, we're like, oh, yay, we could talk. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we pull out the phone sometimes, or, you know, we find other ways to communicate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Google translate is an amazing thing though.
0: <laughs> it is for sure. That, that That's so funny. I, that's actually really surprising. Um, I would not have expected that in Mexico city, um, that there, there wouldn't be, you know, a lot of English speaking people. I feel like it's a hub of, you know, business and things like that. And, um, so that's really surprising to, to hear that.
1: Yeah, we've found it really shocking. And, you know, we're not, we don't go into the touristy areas, right? Mm-hmm. We are here, you know, we we live a pretty normal life, despite the fact that we move around. You know, yeah. we have, we rent apartments or houses. You know, we go to the grocery store, we cook food at home. Um, we don't eat out all the time. It's not something we, any of us enjoy. And, you know, it kind of gives us that feel of, of family and, to, and normalness, despite yeah. the fact that we're living in a different country. Mm-hmm. And that's very important to us. To have that, that sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't live in the touristy areas. Um, you know, we don't live in a hotel. You go to a hotel, yep, they're gonna speak English. <laughs> um, but where we're living, it's like, no, there's there's really very little English spoken. And so we find ways to communicate. Um our kids have picked up, you know, they they're learning some Spanish. And so they'll meet a kid on the playground and and they'll try to have a discussion that's, you know, part Spanish, part English. And how cool.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm, I was thinking about that, you know, as you mentioned that your daughter was very social. I'm wondering, how do they handle making friends? Like, how do your kids handle making friends in all these different countries where they don't speak the language? How does that
1: work? Yeah, it can be difficult because, you know, there's not always kids around. Right? Mm. Depends on where we're living. There's not always kids around. And certainly there's not always kids that speak English. Um, but my daughter especially has from, formed friendships in Vietnam. Um, she had, she was invited to birthday parties. She went Aww. on speakovers and, and usually like one of the parents would speak some English. And, and so that worked, but oftentimes the kids didn't, and they still find that they can, you know, little girls are little girls everywhere, you know, so they like to do their hair and, you know, do artwork and whatnot. And, really transcends language and so it's really beautiful to see them interact and just the other day she found a little girl on the playground and and they were playing and the mom spoke pretty good English and so we were able to converse with mom and and she was like yeah my daughter doesn't really know English and so we're talking to our daughter later and she's like you know it's kind of a little mixture of Spanish a little mixture of English and and we made it work (laughs) I think
0: kids are really incredible in that sense of like you know, I, I've traveled a lot as well throughout the world. And, and I've noticed that, that kids have this incredible ability to be able to connect with people and love them, even when they can't speak the same language, which is, it's such a unique gift. I feel like that children have, and I, I wish more adults could have that and cultivate that ability to be able to love people and make friends, even if you can't speak their language.
1: Yeah. It was actually one of the experiences I had in Vietnam the last place we were at we were there for about four months and there was a market which is very common in vietnam where there, there's produce and they also have meat and fish and basically everything is is fresh and most of the vietnamese people will, will go to the market every single day um we as americans <laughs> we we try to shop for days at a time because i don't like going every day yeah. but there was this one woman that i always bought vegetables from and she knew, um, hello and thank you in English. And I knew, hello, thank you. And see you later in Vietnamese. (laughs) (laughs) And we were able to communicate just fine. You know, she would point to the tomatoes. Do you want tomatoes today? I was like, nah, not today. And, you know, or I might say, oh, you know, I need like three onions and, you know, kind of point to them and go through and Mm. and she'd bag it all up. And we were able to communicate perfectly fine. Mm. And when we went to leave and, Ah, it was just so beautiful. <laughs> I had to show this because it was so beautiful. I took my camera because I took my phone because I'm like, I want a picture of her and I, like, we've just, you know, bonded over vegetables without, sh- you know, knowing any words of, e- of each other's language, really. So I took a picture of us and I told her that we would be leaving. And, you know, she was like, oh, you know, heart to you. And, <laughs> and I went back one more time because, you know, I wanted to prep her, you know, we we're leaving. And so I went back one more time and she gives me a big old hug. And I'm like crying and (laughs) I leave and I'm walking around the market to get the rest of the things that I need. And she comes running up with this bag of cookies that she had purchased for us to leave, you know, because she knew we were leaving. And it was just the most touching moment. It's like, we don't speak the same language. You know, we've I communicated with Google Translate, you know, just to tell her that we were leaving. And mm-hmm. and it was just the most beautiful thing. And I was like, wow, I have never had this experience with a stranger, you know, with someone that I didn't really know to feel so close, so connected to them. And it was just the most powerful thing. That's beautiful. I don't know what
0: it is that I feel like when I travel in these different countries, it's I, it's almost like like people have this like kindness and this gentleness about about them in other areas of the world that I feel like sometimes is lacking here in the United States, like here I feel like we're just so worried about what what we're doing on our to do list and buying our groceries and getting back home and going to work and picking up the kids you know from school and our own busyness that we have here that we really don't take time to look at the human being that's sitting right in front of us and and to be able to make those connections with with the people that are here, you know. Um, but I definitely see that, you know, when I've traveled in other countries that it's like strangers would invite me into their home to have dinner with them. I mean, it was just I'm like, that would never happen here in the U S you know, Absolutely. Um, have you experienced that as well? That just this kindness of
1: strangers with strangers and absolutely. Um, you know, we experienced, unfortunately in our travels, we've experienced two um, motorbike accidents oh, and man. yeah, bad, not, not good, but in both cases, the strangers, you know, people that just stop on the road were just the most giving and generous people, you know, taking care of things so that we could focus on what needed to be focused on. And it was just the most incredible experience. Like, and it's not just in times of need, but, you know, randomly strangers asking us in, you know, or sharing tea with us, (laughs) just randomly like, oh, here, have some tea with me and my family. And it's like, well, this just doesn't happen. You know, this is, this is a new experience and it's so incredible to, to really experience that and, and get out of, um, kind of this bubble that people live in, I feel in the United States.
0: Yeah. What are some other differences that you've observed, um, being in these other countries
1: compared to life here in America? Definitely less focus on work, 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 work. (laughs) You know, every, there are people that are extremely industrious that work very, very hard, but I feel that certainly in Southeast Asia, where we spend most of our time, that there's more of a focus on family hmm. and more of a focus on, you know, people around them and less of a focus on, I have to do, you know, this, this list of things to do. And, and so that connection does happen because it, the list isn't there, you know, it's not the priority. The priority is not the list. And, and that's really been um, enlightening to me. Mm, that's fascinating.
0: That's really cool. Um, gosh, I just, I feel like you have truly opened up the world to your, your children and to your family and even for yourself, you know, giving yourself that gift of being able to travel and meet meet all these different people and experience all these different places and things and you know now you guys are in Mexico City I'm wondering what's next for you
1: well we're excited (laughs) because uh day of the dead is coming up here at the end Ah, of October so perfect time to be in Mexico did you plan Um, it on purpose No, we did it, but we're like, okay, Day of the Dead, like we have to experience this. This this is something absolutely new. And Christmas, Christmas in Mexico
0: is like nothing else. I feel like you could ever experience there. They go
1: all out. Okay, well, we we are still planning to be here for Christmas, but the thing we want to do in between is um, go see the monarch migration, oh, because okay. all of the monarch butterflies come back to Mexico to mate and lay their eggs and whatnot. And so they're supposed to be just like, I mean, I read about this long before we came to Mexico and I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so incredible to see all these butterflies one day. Uh-huh. And then it's like, oh wait, we can do that. Yeah. Like, let's go do that. And so they usually go up in the mountains and stuff. And so it's about, there's a place about an hour from Mexico city.
0: Uh-huh. And we're like,
1: okay, we have to go see the butterflies because. I wouldn't love to see just like millions of monarch butterflies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that you say that because when I was teaching in an elementary school, that was actually one of the topics that we had to study as a part of our curriculum was learning about, you know, the path of the monarch butterflies and how they fly, you know, south and then they come back and they go in this cycle and how they know like where they're going and just the mystery of that, you know, how they know where to go and where to find their way back and find their way home. Um, and, you know, we learned about that in school, but I mean, what a, what an amazing gift to be able to not just read about it in a book or learn about it from a textbook or do a worksheet about it, but to take your children there and have them see this with their own eyes and and experience it for themselves. And I truly believe that is That is the heart of world schooling. Um, And actually one of the things that I I wrote about on my blog is that you know a lot of times we think about world schooling as traveling to all these different countries. Um, And although that is definitely my passion and I truly believe that everyone should travel outside of their country to experience another country at some point in their life, um, even if you can't. Like right now I'm stuck here in the US because of COVID. So I'm learning now how to be a world schooler Right here where I live, you know, and and so I'm in, um, I'm in Maryland, I live about 20 minutes from the White House. And, um, and so for the first time, even though I've been born and raised here, I'm becoming a world schooler right here in this area and looking at the different places that are around us and different historical sites and um, that we can go and experience and trying to create those real life learning experiences and opportunities for my children. Um, but I hope one day that we'll be able to travel and see some of those incredible learning opportunities that are in other countries around the world as well. That's, that's incredible that you guys are going to be able to go see that and I cannot wait to see like pictures or videos or something um, after you get
1: to go see that because that must that's going to be incredible. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that. But, you know, one of the benefits of COVID that we have found, you know, even traveling, it's like, you know, we still like to look at things elsewhere. Yeah. And because of all of the restrictions, you have so many museums put up, you know, free tours, you know, that you can do online, you know, you can go through the Louvre, with Uh like, you know, online, it's like, oh, how incredible is that? You know, so I feel that, you know, while COVID has really affected us so dramatically, you know, and kept so many of us where we are preventing travel and all of that, that there are actually more opportunities online that weren't there previously. And so, yes, we embrace the the opportunity to to see places when we travel. I mean, we saw incredible things in in Vietnam. Um, We went hiking on some volcanoes here in Mexico. And, you know, we embrace all of that. But there is a lot of ways to incorporate that into learning, even if you can't travel.
0: I love that. Um, I do have another practical question for you. Sure. Um, so I know you're traveling to all these different countries and I know that you said that you don't stay in hotels and things like that. You try to have like more of a a normal life, which I really, really admire. And and that's something that I've tried to commit to as well. When I travel, I I don't want to be a tourist. I really want to experience what real life is like in these different places around the world. Um, but I'm wondering how do you do that? logistically like are you staying in airbnbs or how do you find housing when you don't have like a permanent place to to
1: stay do you know what i mean <laughs> absolutely so typically we when we go someplace new we'll get there and we'll book a a hotel or an airbnb or you know something for a couple of nights Mm-hmm. And from there, we, we hit the, we, we hit the road hard when we, when we land someplace new, we're like, okay, we need to find some place to stay. Mm-hmm. And so we'll explore a variety of options. Sometimes it's Airbnb, there's booking.com that works better in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different sites like that. Other times it's finding um, in, in Vietnam, we had the best luck with finding like rental agents, So they're, they're kind of like real estate agents, but they work in the rental market. And so, you know, we would find, hook up with someone that does that, who speaks English, which was very important (laughs) to us. And, and, you know, they take us around and show us several different places. And it's like, okay, this is, this is a good place. And then we would negotiate with the owners and, you know, do a lease and everything. And so, um, you know, two to three month lease was, was fairly typical. And we go from there. And so we'd always try to find some place that, you know, we could feel like we were still, we still have our home, even though we don't have a home, we still create our own space that is, that feels comfortable to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, And again, another logistical question about how much would you say it costs? Like if a family's interested in doing this kind of traveling long-term or traveling indefinitely or for even not indefinitely, but even for just an extended period of time, like two to three months, like you mentioned, how much does it cost to rent a place in these other countries for that short-term
1: lease? Right. So it definitely varies country to country. Mm -hmm. So when we were in uh, Vietnam, we found places that were uh, a third of what we would be paying in the U.S. for, yeah, like, like, can you give us like a dollar amount just to have? Sure. A- so the one place we were renting, which was literally a block from the beach, it was $400 a month for a <laughs> four bedroom house with a yard on the side, wash machine, kitchen, everything.
0: $400 a month to stay mm-hmm. in a four bedroom house on the beach,
1: based, well, yeah. almost on the beach. Yeah. A block away from one of the most beautiful beaches I have ever seen.
0: Um, wow. That's incredible. So, I mean, even just having that in your mind, you know, if someone's looking to travel, it's, it's, I think finances are are a big factor in why people are like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. You know, I I would never be able to afford to live abroad or travel abroad or, you know, things like that. Right. I mean, gosh, for $400 a month, that's, that's incredible.
1: That's incredible. And so it's really surprising when you start looking at cost of living, you know, you have to choose your countries. (laughs) <laughs> I'll admit that, like, if you're trying to go to Paris, um, you're going to pay American prices, mm. right? if not more, because, you know, you're coming in as a part-time resident, right? So you're looking to yeah. rent some place for short-term, they charge you more, let's yeah. be real. Um, but if you choose your places that, you know, aren't developing nations, uh, the cost of living is much, much cheaper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband went and did this internship, you know, before we ever left the States, And he found out last minute it was in Thailand and we both kind of said like, oh my gosh, we're never going to be able to afford, you know, we were broke. How can we afford to send him to Thailand? Right. And you look on, he looked online and he found like a round trip ticket from LA to Chiang Mai, Thailand for like $330 or something. And so (laughs) you can find deals actually that are not cost prohibitive, even, you know, if the four of us were traveling. I we ended up going to Bali and, you know, it cost us, I don't know, $500 a ticket or something, you know, which was more than we wanted to spend. But it's not as expensive and crazy expensive as people might think mm-hmm. to actually go and live abroad. And when you, you know, factor in food costs and whatnot, you can actually save money, a lot of money. And, you know, so for us doing it long-term, it's like, there's things that we don't own, you know, we don't have a car, so we don't pay for a car payment. We don't have insurance. We don't, you know, all of these things that are associated with a car, you just don't have that
0: expense. Um, Do you find that it's hard to get around without having
1: a vehicle in these other countries or? No, we find it really easy. We, we tend to walk a lot. We're very active. So we, you know, a couple of miles is no big deal for us to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll routinely do that, but we also we just do like Ubers and uh-huh. uh, or cabs, and you know it works just fine. Um, there's a lot of public transportation in Mexico City, and I will admit we have not um, used it predominantly because of COVID. You mm-hmm. know, when you see a bus packed full of people, you're like, oh, this makes me a little bit uncomfortable right now. So we've kind of avoided that, but it's definitely available and. Yeah, we did buses and trains in Vietnam, and they were great experiences. And even speaking about COVID too, I'm really
0: curious um, what what is it like like what is COVID like in these other countries that you've seen? Um, how are they handling COVID?
1: Oh my! Vietnam was the most amazing place. Uh huh. So they have a population of 100 million, which is about one third the U.S. Mm-hmm. The US's population. And for almost a year, they had a grand total of 35 deaths. And that was it. 35 35? deaths. The 35 total? Like, total. They had this completely different mindset. The Vietnamese government went in and they said, okay, you know what? We. They were very pragmatic pragmatic about it. And they said, man, if we get hit with this pandemic, we don't have the resources to care for our population. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, we are going to keep it out. And so they were very strict. They locked down their borders. And it was even difficult for their own citizens to get back into the country. Oh, wow. So they locked it down. Anybody who came back in was quarantined automatically for 14 days. Mm -hmm. They did contact tracing. So anyone who happened to, you know, sometimes it gets out, you know, if it got out into the, population, they locked down the city. So we were actually in the city that they locked down because somehow it got introduced into the hospitals. It was, they still, they never were able to track down how it happened, Mm. Um, but they locked down the city. And when I say lockdown, I mean, lockdown, they (laughs) shut down all restaurants. They shut down food delivery services. They shut down all public transportation. (laughs) They said, okay, normally you go to the market every day. Well, for your entire family, you can go twice a week. And they gave tickets so that you could go to the market twice a week. Oh, wow. Um, The beach was shut down. You couldn't even walk on the road next to the beach. They said, no, you're not doing that. And they shut it down for, what what were we, four or five weeks. And then they said, okay, there's no more COVID. And they opened everything back up slowly, not all at once, but they shut it down and they contained it. And they were able to do this so, so successfully. It was incredible to see this until the Delta variant got introduced. And the Delta variant just spread so much quicker that they weren't able to ever get in front of it. And so now their death rate is, their death toll is much, much higher. And it's, it's very sad to see. And that's happened right as we were leaving, actually, that this Delta variant got introduced. And so they've been in lockdowns and um, really fighting it. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see because they were so, so successful for so long. Mm. And then this variant that spreads faster is just kind of decimated there. Wow. What about Mexico? So Mexico, they're getting the vaccine now and people are are working through that process, but it's pretty much business as usual. And people, about 90, I'd say 90% of the people wear masks Mm -hmm. and they don't always wear them correctly, but but they have them. And, you know, when you go into the stores, it's, you know, you get your um, antibacterial spray and um, they do that at the restaurants, but it's pretty much business as usual. Mm. Okay.
0: That's interesting. And then from Mexico City where are you guys planning to go?
1: Hopefully on to the west coast um so to back see... to the US. No, the west coast of Mexico actually for a oh. little bit to hopefully see the whale migrations. Oh, okay. Uh, that occurs cuz we're like, oh well, wait, that's just that's only a, an hour flight from <laughs> where we are. Uh-huh. So apparently all along, you know, from Baja all the way down um South of Acapulco, you can see the whale migration. And so we're hopefully oh, wow. hoping to do that. And then from there, we're not sure. Uh, we kind of will, we have a few months yet. So we'll start thinking about where we want to go, and mm-hmm. uh, what we want to do, but um, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, the world is open to you. I mean, you literally can go anywhere. and. Um, that's amazing. And I know in order to be able to continue this lifestyle, um, I know you and your husband have built up this business, um, and it's called inspire my money, right? Correct. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about
1: inspire my money? Sure. So we are holistic financial alignment coaches. So we looked at our own experience and said, okay, how did we make this happen? Well, we didn't make it happen just by by focusing on the bottom line. You know, we were looking at our well-being throughout this entire process. And we said, you know what, finances are kind of an integral part of every aspect of people's lives. And so we said, we need to include this into what we teach, what we share with people, because it's not just about your financial goals. You know, going and traveling the world is not a financial goal. It's Mm -hmm. really a life goal. This is what you want to do with your life. And so we get really specific in 10 different areas of your life and have everyone look at what they want to do in those areas so everything from health and wellness to career to to parenting to to um lifelong learning really all of these different categories we look at and we say okay what are your goals and the other part that's really crucial to us is having both spouses both partners be on the same page because my husband had a lot of financial training. He was a financial advisor actually for a while. He Wonderful. Trained on Wall Street. So he had all this financial knowledge. And and yet in 2018 we were broke. Mm. And so we looked at that. And there was there were a lot of factors that, that that played into that. But one of the things that we realized was that we had never been working together towards the same goals. We might have had the same goal, but we were going on different paths to get there. And so we we realized that okay, we need to get people talking husband and wife need to be on the same page so that they actually reach that goal together and they can do it much more quickly. And so that's really, we three, three foundational things. We find the goals, you know, what do you really want out of life, your relationship with your partner and your, and your money, and then the finances, and they all kind of align together to create Mm -hmm. this, um, massive change. And so that's really what what we're about working with couples predominantly who really want to experience change with their financial world, but also with their, their lives in general. That is incredible. And if there's someone listening
0: that wants to get connected with you or be a part of that work that you're doing, how could
1: someone connect with you? Sure. The easiest way is through our website, which is inspiremymoney.com. But I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. And I will share those links with you, Angela, so you can share them with the listeners. And I am always happy to connect with people on there and, and share. I share lots of free information on how you can, how you can get started with this and um, really taking a different approach because so many financial coaches nowadays, they focus on budgeting mm-hmm. and we are the anti-budgeters. Uh, we Yes, we do not believe in budgeting. We have never been on a budget, never used a budget. And we see a lot of pitfalls with budgeting. And so mm. we have a completely different system where it's really making a positive impact, having a positive um, cycle where we see budgeting really creates a lot of negative feelings. Mm. And, you know, I can't do this because it's not in my budget. And yeah, whereas we change the mindset completely. So it's you know, I'm choosing not to purchase this right now because I'd rather put that money towards my goal. Wow. That is a powerful mindset shift in (laughs)
0: doing your finances and the way that you relate to money and your finances.
1: Yes. And we find it to be very, very effective and it works much longer term than a budget because budgets, people tend to go. People tend to go off of them and then they end up usually in a worse financial situation than when they started. And so we want to avoid that and really help people to change their outcome for the Mm -hmm. better.
0: That's wonderful. Well, I'm so, so glad um, that I've had this opportunity to be able to talk with you and connect with you and hear a little bit about your world schooling journey and um, how that has been not only for you, but also for your children and your family. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. And I hope that one day I'll be able to see you somewhere out in the world. <laughs> I would love that. I love
1: meeting up with people <laughs> that, have, that have, a, have a similar path, you know, um, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. We, we've actually been to several different,
0: uh, similar places. I actually, I've been to Chiang Mai as well, um, I spent two months in Chiang Mai and um, I've been, you know, traveled in and around Mexico too. And so who knows, maybe one day our our paths will be able to cross. That would be, that would be really fun. But um, talking with you today has just been such a, a nice reminder for me of, of these you know, dreams and passions that I have had for such a long time to be able to, to travel and experience the world and, and to be able to share that with my children. So I hope that one day um, I will be able to do that. And, um, and I'm really excited that you and your husband and your children are able to do that today. Uh, well, thank you so much, Angela. It's been a joy sharing with you and your audience. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you so much to all of um, my listeners for being a part of this podcast today. I hope that this, this episode was as much a blessing for you as it has been for me. Uh, remember that there are new episodes that are released every Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss out on a single one. Um, if you would like to support me, please be sure to share this episode with your friends and family and consider donating at the links in the description, um, as well as checking out my website, www peacefulworldschoolers.com. I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are, and I will see you next Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. If you like this video, please make sure you subscribe and click the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.